Great, guys. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Happy Sukkot, everybody. We're we're actually here in front of my the place of my med my where I meditate in my sukkah right now, and so holy. Hopefully, Hashem will send us the right words today as we connect ourselves to the holy tzaddik Rabbi Nachman Ben Fege. <clears throat> Can everybody hear me? Can everybody hear me? Good. Does it sound good, Uriel? Good. Yep, you're good. Perfect. Great. So tonight I want to talk about. Rather than going through one subject, I want to talk about a good, good 20 concepts from Rab Nachman's teachings that can help us. The reason why I like one-liners is because people remember one-liners, and I recognize what people remember the most. And also, also, you know, when I myself listen to classes, somehow I remember those one-liners. Those one-liners really stick to me. So I really like these concepts of one-liners because it's, it's a way for us to remember and you know, all the people that I meet in the street, they always, they always give me the one-liners back. So I know they're listening and I know they're, remem- they're, they're, um, they're remembering. So let's start. Let's start. What can we say? What, what words can we say about the tzaddik? I really have a hundred things that he's taught me. But, but let's just talk about today the 20 topics that the holy wisdom of Rav Nachman, that we can use these deep teachings in, in practical psychological tools for today, especially in 2020. And the point of all this is I want to get people to feel very good about themselves. I want to get people to feel good about themselves. When they feel good about themselves, they show up different to things. You feel good about yourself, you show up different to a date, you show up different to work, you show up different to your marriage, you show up different to life. But we don't feel good about ourselves, or we're confused, or we lack that, or we don't have the right that, then we don't show up the right way. We show up with anxiety. We show up with limitations. We show up with, uh, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, a lot of negative energy. So that's the key, really, to all of this. Rav Nachman teaches us how to show up, how to show up to things. Not just going, going through life. You're able to show up. And when you show up and you have the right mindset and you're 100% the best person you can be, everything else just completely, completely works out across the board. That's the main point of this class, to really get everybody to show up completely different. So the first topic that Rab Nachman has taught me that I've, I've gotten so much information from him is first acceptance, then change. First acceptance, then change. First, we must accept where we are in order to go where we want to go. I can't stress that enough to you so much. Because all the problems today, a lot of the problems today are, is not accepting what is. Not accepting what's going on and not having the energy to change. You see how it works? Once I accept what is, then I get into the solution. The solution. But if I'm, I'm, if I'm busy dealing with, with, with the actual issues and not having the strength and giving energy away through worry or giving in, giving, unfortunately, losing my faith, then I'm not going to have the strength to change. And this is a very similar concept like we always speak about. Always, always sing with what you got. That means accept where you are. Yes, I have an anger issue. Yes, I have a personality issue. Yes, I have an issue with this. But then I still want to change. Very, very big difference, that mindset, than another mindset of just, you know, I don't understand why it's happening and I don't have the strength to change. So this is the one thing that one of the things that really, really changed my life is acceptance first, then we worry about change afterwards. 
Number two, people talk about the power of now, power of the moment. When life, how life has challenged me, it's been almost the power of now what? Okay, business is closed. What are you going to do about it? Okay, you fell down yesterday. What are you going to do about it? The power of now what? What are you doing next? It's not just the power of the power of now. Shem's throwing us into the power of now what? Power of now what? What do you do when life hits you hard? If you can master the power of now what? You have everything. And this is and, and believe me guys, no matter how mindful you are, no matter how tough you are, no matter how smart you are, you're gonna go through situations that you're gonna you're not gonna believe you can even handle. But your job is not, like you said, okay, I fell. I fell in this situation. I fell in that situation. I'm not concerned about the fall. I want you to be concerned about the power of now what? What are you going to do after the fall? How do you come up after a victory? How do you, how do you recover from a bad day? How do you recover from, from business being closed? How do you recover? That's when you need now what? And this message is so powerful. Because we don't get that power of now what, we stay in, how could it be? How could it have happened? We want to get into now what? So remember that line, the power of now what? What are you going to do after you get divorced? What are you going to do after that trauma hits you? What are you going to do? That's what really defines people. What really defines people today is not conditions. What defines people today is decisions. Rav Nachman has told us all of us because we have so much inner strength. We have limits beyond our capabilities. Tap into it and get into now what? The third topic is also very connected to these issues. First, we want to say thank you. Thank you first. Then I'll deal with the issue. Remember, we never get anything out of self-pity. Self-pity connect, disconnects us. Saying thank you connects you. So there we go. You want to be connected? Say thank you. You want to be disconnected? Have self-pity. Choose wisely. So before, remember, before any situation in life that we've got to go through, first we have to say Tada. Tada, I know I, I don't understand. I don't understand you, Hashem, but I trust you. It's okay to say to your Creator, I don't understand you, but I trust you. I said this, this line this year many times. I don't understand you, nor is it my job to understand you, but I trust you. And once I invoke that trust, I'll understand why everything happens. Number four, there's a difference between being interested in life and there's a difference between being committed. Interested people... Don't get much in life. Rabbi Nachman taught me, whatever you're doing, go all in. Go all in. The difference between water boiling is between 211 and 212 degrees. That extra degree in our life, tell us, we have to push a little bit more. Just when we think we have no more energy, just push a little bit more. 
that extra one degree, imagine getting to 211 degrees in life and you get knocked out at 212 and you were right there. Rabbi Nachman tells us less than 46 or 48 in the second half. And sometimes a spider web is going to stop you from your dreams. Spider web. You were right there, but the spider web, you imagine like it was a big, big wall. And all it was, it was a spider web. So remember, guys, whatever you do, whether you, you go do his vote to do it, whether you're doing learning, whether you're doing chesed, whether you're doing charity, commit. Commit. Very important the commitment versus being, oh, that's interesting. Oh. That's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Interested people don't get much in life. I hate to tell you. They just get a lot of flaky situations. We are warriors, not warriors. Start committing. And I have big news for you guys. Big, big news. When you start committing to your creator, people start committing to you. People start committing to you. The business deal will be committed to you. The, the girl, the guy who you want to dating will commit to you. How can you want people to commit to you if you're not committed? So if you want to fix something, first commit. Commit, and then other people will commit to you. And this is what I say to myself. People are not committing to me. There's a, there's a sign that I'm not committing to my creator. So whatever you do, whatever you do, even if you're tired, remember, feelings come afterwards, not before. If you're tired, if you're exhausted, if you don't have strength, you have to go all in. And I'm telling you, it's such a game changer because it teaches you there's no other options in life but going all in. And next thing you know, you could take the same principle and apply it to other things in life also. And it, you sp that energy spills over everywhere. We need to know that our life is a war, and we know to we need to know who our enemy is. Our enemy is the Eitzahara. The job of your enemy is to do two things in life: is to keep you anxious, or to keep you stuck in the past. That means yesterday and tomorrow are your enemies. Rabbi Nachman tells us that yesterday and tomorrow take away today, master today. Don't let yesterday and tomorrow drag you to today. It already happened. If, if, you, if, if it happened in the past, it happened already. Learn from it. If it's happening in the future, it's not your job to control it. As the Gemara says, person has bread in his basket today and is worried about tomorrow, the person of little faith. Yesterday and tomorrow are your biggest issues. Try to get a hold of today by lengthening our day. That's one of the things that we're not mastered. That I only have, he always told us all the time in his teachings across the board, you only have today. Tomorrow, take a day off. Tomorrow, take a day off. Procrastinate, procrastination. Very powerful lesson in life. The concept of pain. Real pain today is running away from your creator. Everything else is an invitation. That means pain is an invitation from your creator to get closer to him. 
one of the things that I'm dealing with my facilities, and we just spoke about that, that addicts have an obsession of controlling, controlling how the way how they feel. They want to control how they feel. They don't want to deal with pain. They don't want to deal with with uncertainty. They want to control. That's what it, they would rather almost risk their lives just so they don't feel. Real pain is not is not is not dealing with life. It's not having a broken heart. Real pain is running away from your creator. Something is bringing you closer to your creator. It's not pain. It's an invitation. Oh, we saw that. Like I said, you say there's nothing greater than a broken heart. How you define pain is how it how it changes you. Number eight. The only way to beat resentment today is with Azamra. Azamra, Azamra, Azamra. We could talk about Azamra. We can live Azamra. We ha- we need to have Azamra in our pocket. When we shuffle negative energy, it takes away our identity. What happens is when we don't have Azamra, we lose our identity. We lose who we are. We lose who we are. We need to understand we are sons of kings. But sometimes we act the way we act, but our essence is still to be the child of God. So Zamra is always bringing out the good points in yourself and never losing your identity. Like, a, like the story of the turkey prince. You're a prince, but you're acting like a turkey. It doesn't mean you are a turkey. It means you're acting like a turkey, but you still have to remember who you are. Never lose your identity to failure. But Nachman told me, never lose my identity. No matter what happens, if you got divorced, don't lose your identity. If you failed the business, don't lose your identity. People are losing their identity because of situations in life. You lost, we lost you. Who are, where are you? And this is that great call that Hashem always says to Adam, Ayeka, where are you? Don't lose your identity to circumstances. Don't let life make you lose your identity. Very, I, I, I mean, each one of these concepts are a class on its own. Joy. The concept of joy. Joy is not jumping around and pretending nothing's happening in life. Joy is thinking greater than you feel. Joy is taking the guy who's not dancing at the wedding and sitting down and everybody else is dancing, Joy is taking that guy and bringing him into the circle. What, is that, what does that mean to us? Joy is taking the sorrow in our lives and bringing it back to joy. It's not separating the sorrow. It's not cutting the sorrow. It's not cutting it. No, 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 no. Big difference. It's bringing the sorrow into the good. It's bringing the, the, whatever issue you have in our life is bringing it. What that means today is joy means resilience. Resilience equals joy. Not what happens, how quickly do you recover? How does that failure make you? Resilience equals joy. When I'm looking at Simcha, I'm like, Hashem, you gave me this test and I made it. You gave me the strength for it. That makes me happy. That is real joy. This other joy not real. Other joy is not real. The only real joy Rabbi Nachman says is when you bring the sorrow into the joy. He mastered that. He really mastered this concept of bringing the sorrow into the joy. Dancing with what you got. 
making the best out of everything. That is really joy. Rav Nachman says, most people think faith is no big deal. But I say faith is everything. Faith is so simple, yet it becomes the most complicated subject in life. Why? It's because that's how simple it is. Faith is something you already have inside of you. You just have to go there in your heart. So again, faith is simple, but people, people can't handle it. The best way to remove faith in your life is control. That's why this world today is going berserk. It's going berserk because the first common theme, what's going to be with the uncertainty? What's going to be with, I can't even control anything. I can't control when this is over. I can't control the shutdown. But you're not in control, my friend. Give up. Give up control and allow faith to come into your heart. That's it. Forget control. Control leads to, control is the product of the ego and it edges God out. Not only does it edge, edges God out, it makes it 10 times worse. So to start adapting faith in your life, remember, when Rav Nachman is talking about faith, he's talking about the ultimate simple faith. He's not talking about complications. He's not talking about nothing else but simplicity, tamim, Prayer is faith. Prayer is faith. When I pray, I believe that Hashem is going to listen to me. It's simple, and it doesn't, and it's not heavy. The other stuff in life, super heavy. And this is where Rebbe allows us to do. He allows us to stay light in a very heavy world. Don't run away from your test. The greatest test will lead you to the greatest testimony. What are you running away from your test? Without the test, the whole creation was created in order for you to do the one, but not according to the nothing. It's to prove free will. That's what you're here for. You're here to reveal the malchus. Where do I reveal the malchus if there's light? If I have the answer, then there's no free will. So free will is the greatest existence according to the nothing, because free will itself allows you to get a reward for choosing the right thing. So bigger the test, Rav Nachman says, the greater the prize. You want a testimony, you have to go through a test. Buckle up. These tests are going to come at you. They're going to come at you your whole life. Be prepared for them. And most important, the greatest test leads to the greatest testimony. And that's something very powerful. That means a lot of people want a lot of things. They want a lot of light, but they don't want to deal with the darkness. They don't want to deal with the darkness. There's a great line by Tony Robbins. It says you get rewarded in public for what you do in private. Public victories are the result of tremendous private work. This is how people get rewarded in public. Today completely be the opposite. People want the public recognition but they don't want to do anything. There's no work. So it leads to what? Validation. But a person who knows, he puts the time in. He has those private victories. He has those private struggles. He struggles at night. He, he has those victories. He will get publicly rewarded. He's not willing to put the job work in, in the in private. 
don't look for the public recognition. And if you get the public recognition without the without earning it, it's probably not going to last. So enjoy the test and enjoy the testimony. But Nachman taught me the greatness of passing sexual temptation. That's what allowed me to get remarried so quickly. What allowed me to get remarried so quickly is man's ultimate reward and man's ultimate downfall comes from this, this temptation. And for guys, it's probably the number one issue we have. But the rewards for it are connection to God, financial success, clarity, family, life. The opposite is chasing cravings, depression, unhappiness, lack of clarity, disconnection from your creator, never being, never being happy with anything, always chasing something else, chasing shadows. And he gave us the greatness of Tikkun Akwali to fix that. He told us the greatest thing, you could, the greatest you could do with Tikkun Akwali is to work on the sexual temptation that we all have. Thirteen, he gave us the amazing concept of taking judgment for our lives, taking responsibility. But Nachman taught me something amazing. He says, very simple. I'm going to give you a deal, Gedalia. Either if you work on yourself, if you judge yourself, and you check your character, and you talk about your shortcomings, and you talk about the struggles that you, you got, then there's no need for an upper judgment. I'm giving you the ability to judge yourself alone. And then don't worry about the Melachim upstairs. Don't worry about the judgment from above. A person who humbles himself does not, does not need to be humbled by somebody else. But a person who doesn't humble himself needs to be humbled by other people. So that's what teach, teaches us this beautiful gift of Mishpat, which is, a, which is the second step of this blood and Teaches us, wow, I can take accountability for my life I can, I'm talking to the judge on the lower court. Why would I want to get tried on an upper court? You have a gift in your mouth called confession. You have a gift in your mouth. This is what Yom Kippur is all about. Just talk to Hashem five, ten minutes. Tell him all the things you're working on. Tell him the things you're sorry for. Tell him the things you're struggling with. And there's no need to remind you. This is what Reb Nachman said. Something very powerful. This is what, I, what you do at the end, I want you to do in the beginning. What you do at the end, I want you to do in the beginning. Remember this concept. Don't wait for desperation. Don't wait for things to get out of hand. Don't wait to go, unfortunately, to a marriage counselor instead of asking Hashem for help and shalom life. Why do we always have to wait for desperation? What you do at the end, do in the beginning. Let's get into the preventative world instead of the reactive mode. Let's get into the inspiration world instead of the desperation world. And this is an unbelievable lesson. Why should things get uncomfortable for me to get uncomfortable? Why can I make myself uncomfortable now so I don't need to, to call to get uncomfortable afterwards? So much easier. But we have a very short memory. We keep on forgetting. That's what Rabbi Nachman says. Mercy is right in front of you, but most people... Do not take advantage of it. Mercy is right in front of you, but most people don't take advantage of it. Rabbi Nachman told me that 
the more I know, the more I recognize I know nothing. That the beginning of knowledge is recognizing that you know nothing. So what does it teach us? It teaches that that sometimes in life we get held up, or we get we get stuck on a certain meaning in life. We get stuck on situations in life, and we start carrying emotional weight due to a certain meaning that we're giving something. And we're giving that meaning based on the way you view the world, based on your perspective. And if you have the wrong perspective, you're going to have the wrong meaning, you're going to have the wrong feeling. So when, you, when, when things are beyond your comprehension, like the sukkah itself right now, we're sitting in a beautiful sukkah, there's a reason why the ceiling cannot be higher than what it is. It can't be too, too high. If it's too, too high, the sukkah is not kosher. Why? Because there's certain knowledge that you can't go over. Certain knowledge that you can't go over. What you can do is you can make a sukkah as wide as possible. Increase your wisdom. Increase your wisdom as much as possible. Let your wisdom completely, completely do, you have that. But when it gets to heresy, when it gets to philosophy, and it gets to situations where you're questioning God, when it gets to situations where you don't, you, you're beyond where you're supposed to be, this is where all, all only leads to fault. And this is what the sukkah teaches us. It teaches us to stay focused, stay grounded, understanding that wisdom is always over you. Shem is always over you. Don't go over the ceiling. Another thing about the sukkah that beautiful teaches us, is you see these winds, everything's shaking. This is shaking. Everything's shaking. This is your life. This is, that means without, without my creator keeping the sukkah here, this is our life. We, we're so dependent upon him for everything. It's another beautiful concept of the sukkah. So remember about knowledge. The whole concept of knowledge is the more you know, the more you recognize you know nothing. Practically what that means is you're not going to give the wrong meaning to something based on the wrong knowledge. Number 15, Rav Nachman spoke about the pursuit of that and the development of consciousness. So always remember to increase your consciousness. Increase, like we just spoke about this, okay, increase the depth of your knowledge. The more dot you have, the more mercy you get. That's the combination. More dot, more mercy. No dot, lack of mercy. Bottom line, our job is to pursue dot. The more dot we have, the more wisdom we have, the more we know how to deal with things in life, the more mercy we get from our creator. That's the formula. Very simple. God wants you to make the business plan. You give the right business plan, he'll give you the They'll give you the funds for it. But if you don't have the right business plan, you want funds, no business plan, how's that going to work? Very important. Learning that, constantly pursuing that, etc. And the best, and there's three ways really to get that. The best way to get it is either learning, learning Torah, learning that, learning from life, praying for it, asking Hashem to open up your mind. As we say in the circle, we're allowed to get new perspectives of God. And the third way is giving your dot away, helping people with wisdom. And the, when you impart your wisdom to somebody, Shem gives you new wisdom. So those are the three ways, learning it, praying for it, or giving it. It's just like anything else, just like inventory. It just doesn't go away. You have to do these things, and these things will perfect your dot.
Ramnachman spoke about many times the concept of starting over and renewal. That renewal is your life. Ramnachman would sometimes start many times in a single day. When things are not working out in life, press the renewal button. Renewal is Rab Nachman. Start over. Tell them by the issue, start over. Everything could, you could start over in one second. That's the power of renewal. He gave us many, many times that power. Rab Nachman told us, told us that anything good in our lives is going to have obstacle and is going to have a lot of noise. Not only outer noise, but there's going to be a lot of inner noise in our life. There's going to be that inner critic in our life. There's going to be the outer noise, and there's going to be a lot of inner noise. And your job is to stay focused, increase desire, and stop listening to the noise. Bottom line. Listen to the voice you want to hear. So again, do not expect anything good without noise and obstacles. Because actually, the way things actually happen in life is through desire. Desire is what creates things in life. Desire usually gets increased when obstacles begin. So it's actually a favor that we get obstacles because that increases desire and that increases the vessel. So when you get these obstacles in your life, don't be upset. Just increase desire. When you feel like giving up, Turn it up. Turn it up. That's what all is teaching you in life. When you feel like giving up, turn it up. And the last thing Rav Nachman taught me is the mastering the breath, taking control of my breathing, taking control of our breathing, how important it is. How one vent, how one breathing in versus venting out. How your nose, your neshama comes from your breath. And a person can lose his neshama by getting angry, or he can get a double portion of ruach by breathing and being patient. So just one breath can change your whole life. Always, always told us, Rabbi Nachman, pay attention to your breath. Pay attention to your emotions. Pay attention to how you're breathing. The breathing affects the way you think. Be careful with anger. Specifically, he told us that right before money comes to a person, he's going to be tested with anger. So this is, I mean, there's so much wisdom in Rav Nachman's teaching. But I don't want to, again, I don't want to overload you guys with too much. And we'll start with questions right now. Any questions, Ariel? Yes, there is. Go ahead. Okay. Is there, is there a right or wrong way to speak to Hashem? Sometimes I have nothing to say, yet I have so much or feel stupid blabbing. It's never, there's no such thing. The best way, the best way really to talk to Hashem, sometimes you have to just calm down. And the best way is, the greatest prayer is actually a prayer where Hashem takes over you. Where you're in a state of bliss and Hashem just takes over you. He just takes over your mouth and you start talking about things you didn't even know how you were going to pray. What you need to focus on is one thing. Don't worry about what you say. Just go out there and do it. Make a dedication. Show Hashem you're serious about connecting to Him. And the last, Rav Nachman says, the rest, let, leave it up to Him. 
Leave it up to him. Because what's going to happen is he's going to actually send you the words on what to say. Rav Nachman says this many times. One less than 136, 124. It's almost like an open book test. You have to show up. You have to have an open heart. And, and just let, let the wind take you. Let, the, let, let Hashem take over your, your speech. And you can see how many times. I, sometimes I'm sitting here. And this is the exact spot where I pray. Sometimes I pray for things, and next thing you know, I don't even know how I even got there. Many times I even start a class. I have a class with a certain book. Next thing you know, I get pulled away, and I talk about something else completely different. The greatest form of prayer is when you get to a point where Hashem just takes over your mouth. And how do you do that? You have to have an open heart. You have to have an open heart. You have to believe it, and you have to have patience. And you'll see that Hashem will just... Put the words in your mouth. You start talking. You'll get this blast. You get this rush of energy. And you'll blab away. And it's one of the greatest feelings in the world. Because you know exactly. You know, he's basically telling you. I'm going to tell you what you need to pray for. And I'm going to actually send you the words. On what to say. It's, it's something that if I didn't read it in a book. It's an unreal experience. It feels like you're getting hijacked. Okay. I hope that answers. But there's no such thing as no such thing as being silly. The fact that you're making an effort in 2020 to believe there's a God and that you still have some kind of strength to pray and you're not caught up in the garbage of this world of yelling at this one, yelling at that one. Believe me, that's a super high level. Okay, the next question is, what happens when you have a bad dream? And the second question to that is, why is everything a test? Our sages tell us that when you have a bad dream, it's actually very beneficial for you. Basically to get you to, to wake up a little bit. And some people say it's good to fast, and another person says, because you know when you have a bad dream, you, you wake up a little bit. You, you, your perspective changes and you, you take life a little bit more serious. Actually, our sages say in the Gemara that a bad dream is actually a good dream because it's beneficial. Ultimately, what's gonna happen is you, it's gonna lead you to change, which is ultimately good. So don't focus so much on the dream. Focus on the wake-up call that is being sent to you from dream. Another thing with bad dreams, Ramachman says, is very connected to eating. Be careful what you're eating. Be careful not to eat too much. Improper eating can also make, specifically if you're eating out of emotions. Emotional eating can lead you to bad dreams. Ramachman says that. And why is everything a test? Because why else would you be here in this world? If everything was perfect for you, if everything was light, you had no free choice, and what reward would you get for being here? What's the point? It's like playing soccer without a goalie. What, what's the reward that you get for choosing right over left? You would have no purpose here. You would be in Switzerland milking goats and have no worries in the world, but yet you would have no meaning, and eventually you would, have, you would be bored, completely bored to death. So that's the purpose of the test. That gives you the reward for choosing free will and choosing your creator over something else. Okay, what books are you using right now to give this lesson? People want to know. My mind. This all came to me in his bodhidus. This whole lesson literally came to me in his bodhidus in prayer. Shem, what should I talk about? Blah, 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 blah. The whole lesson is downloaded from prayer. But it's Makute Maharan. It's, it's many of the classes that we speak about, mostly his magnum opus, 
which is called Lakute Moharan. What I did is I'm, I'm taking these teachings and bringing it to you in a very practical sense so you guys can understand them. Okay. See? There's no book. Hands free. So the Just next... me and the sukkah and the wind. Okay, so the next viewer wants to know, um, you speak a lot about giving up control and having faith, but where does Hishtadlut come into play? His girlfriend and him watch all of your cl classes and they want to plan things out for their future, such as their rel religious level and small details, but she, his girlfriend tells him that we just need to have faith and not plan anything. How can I agree with her. How how can right, you can plan you can plan a little bit, but what happens is is when you start planning too much, like there's a great story of somebody came I believe it was Chaim Kanietsky. I can't remember that. I can't remember which rabbi. I believe it was him. That the guy says, listen, before the wedding, I want to make sure that she she only uses meat uh, this butcher, and that she doesn't do this and she doesn't do this and she doesn't do this. Basically, the guy had a laundry list of things that the guy demanded from her. You know, you know, Rav Chaim Kanievsky told the guy, told the girl, don't marry the guy. If this is the way he's starting out with all kinds of plans, it's not worth it. You need to have simple faith. I hate to, I hate to break it to you in life. I hate to break it to you. I hate to, to, to break your little bubble. People change in life. You're not guaranteed anything in life. People change. Spouses change. I'm sure you'll, help, you'll hear that. So what you need to do is you have to go there with a very open mind and go there to give. Don't be too hard on one odd topic. Be flexible. Be flexible. For example, obviously non-negotiable items are nida. Non-negotiable items for me was Shabbat. Non-negotiable items were, um, you know, nida, Shabbat, kosher. Those three things are non-negotiable for me. The, you know, obviously, the rest your you, you person has to be on his level to be flexible. So get the core, get the core basis, but don't plan a thousand things. You know, it's like a guy planning, I'm going to send my kids to this school in New York next thing, you know, for, uh, this virus hits, and they're, they're in Zoom in the middle of the living room. So you can see how the people that seek to control everything so much, they're suffering tremendously because there's absolutely no control right now. And, and you're not supposed to be in control in the first place. Remember what I spoke about? Remember the formula for control. Fear makes you control. The more you control in life, the more chaotic your life's going to be. The more chaotic your life's going to be, the more angry you're going to be. The more angry you're going to be, the more depressed you're going to be. The more depressed you're going to be, the more you're going to isolate. The more you're going to isolate yourself, the more you're likely you're going to end up with some kind of addiction or some kind of unfortunate problem. So the, the, you could see the, the beginning is fear and the end is misery. This is, that's the formula. Begins with fear, but it ends with nothing but misery. Or you can just change a switch and say, I trust you, Hashem. I'm going to make a shtalut and I will learn on the way. So I, 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 my, my best philosophy for people is don't worry. You can plan everything out as much as you can, but don't worry. You're going to learn on the way. That's my philosophy. I learn on the way. I don't need, I don't need perfection in the beginning. I know either way. There's going to be a lesson for me, one way or the other. 
so just to recap, you said control equals fear, fear causes anger, anger causes... Fear anger. leads, the reason why you control is because you have fear. Uh-huh. And then anger leads yeah, to depression, and de depression leads to isolation, and then that leads to addiction, and that leads to misery. Okay, got it. It leads to, uh, unfortunately, I mean, that's the pattern. That's usually the pattern that you see. It, it, all, all emotions are really rooted in love or fear. But fear basically leads you to makes you anxious, depressed, isolated. You have no idea how much fear can do to a person. It can do to a person. You don't just wake up and wake up with anger. It's built up. Everything's built up. Things are not going your way. And they're not going your way because you're, you're seeking too much control. And you're seeking too much certainty. So things are chaotic. Things are just chaotic. That's what Rabbi Nachman told us in Lesson 82. But the reason why things are going out of order in your life stems from the, the sin of Chava. Chava's problem is one thing. Control. I will rule. I want to control. I mean, we know people today. The more they try to control, the more their life is completely ridiculous. Even people trying to control the COVID case. You can see the guy in Israel tried to control the cases. I'm going to do this. I'm going to cut that. Next thing you know, he's got 10,000 cases a day there. And you try to control it, you can't control nothing. It's Hashem. It's Hashem. So, what does a person do when they don't have desire? Okay. It's a desire for what? Just so, again, desire, desire you, you have to understand. Correct. So, you have to understand what are the issues. Usually, a lack of desire and spirituality is very connected to your heart being somewhere else. And Rav Nachman tells us in lesson one, that it's very connected either to a lust of money, sex, or food. But those are the three things that usually make you lose your desire for spirituality. So either it's probably that, or he had something in his life that he lost his faith, and, he, and his mindset is, you know, whatever I do doesn't make a difference. What's the point? So it could be a lack of faith in a traumatic situation, or it could be unfortunately a, a state where the person is involved in a desire for something else. Remember, desire has to go somewhere. Either you desire Hashem, or you're going to desire something else. Desire doesn't go and nowhere. Love doesn't go nowhere. You love Hashem, or you're going to love, or you're going to love something else. It's called the fallen love. These fallen, fallen love. Either fallen loving something else. Same thing with fears. If you fear God, then you don't fear coronavirus. You don't fear getting sick. You don't fear these things. So you know there's only God. And if God says, I'm going to be sick by this, it's going to happen. But if you don't have fear of God, then you're going to have fear of other things. And the other things will be the agent to attract what's supposed to happen to you. It's absolutely very scary. I hate to tell it to you. The rewards are big. But the other side of living a life where you turn your back to Hashem and Hashem turns it back to you and you want to live in 2020, just dealing with life, I, 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 I don't know what to tell you. I, I wouldn't want to live a life like that for one second. So what's the best way to thank Hashem? The best way to thank Hashem is to recognizing that life is happening for your benefit. It's happening for your benefit. 
Whatever's happening to you, it's either to elevate you or to cleanse you. It's happening to your benefit. Remember, prayer does not work on self-pity. First, you have to see everything as one. You have to see everything as one. You have to see everything as one. It's all from Hashem. Then I can pray. But if I think that everything is not one, and there's two gods, God forbid, and there's different forces, how can I say thank you? How can I say thank you to somebody if I think my creator's injustice or if I think my creator's giving me a bad deal in life? How can I, how can you say thank you? It doesn't work. This not going to work. Bottom line. You ready for the next question? Yes. Okay. So the this viewer is writing, my wife is a very secular Israeli. Should I be fine practicing on my own quietly and not speaking to her about it? In the beginning, yes. In the beginning, our sages say, Rabbi Rush spoken about that. First, show her how happy you are. Remember, the ultimate goal of being practicing religion and, and practicing spirituality is to make you better. Once you're better, you can deal with people differently. But if you, you, the worst thing you don't want to do is shove it in people's faces if they're not ready for it. Because if they're not ready for it, not only will they not do it, they'll despise you. And I don't know, 2020, I don't know how many cases I've known to be successful where the guy told his wife what to do and she actually listened spiritually. If you find me that one guy, I would love to have him as a host on my, on my show. But it usually doesn't work. The spouses usually can't tell the other one what to do when it comes to spirituality. I, I have not seen it work. So it's more important that your life is your lesson. When you work, you, when you fix your relationship with Hashem, He fixes the relationship with others. That's what I see. Okay, you've mentioned that uh, you need to bring your sadness and happiness together. What do you mean exactly? Right. You have to take your trauma and recognize if it wasn't for the traumatic situation, I would never be who I am today. I would never have faith. I would never have. I would never be pursuing knowledge. I'm not going to give you an example, but a practical example, if you look at what happened with this COVID thing with Donald Trump, he just came out and said that he thanks his creator for, for getting COVID because he was able to, to test one of, the, one of the medicines. And that ultimately ended up, it could be a breakthrough to help other people. So ultimately, if he didn't get COVID, he would never taste, test the medicine and he would never be able to be in a position to help people. I'm giving you an example. I'm not endorsing any president. I'm just giving you an example. It's that a person to go through a situation and he ends up helping and elevating others because he went through that situation, which is ultimately what happens in our lives. We go through a situation, we go through tough times, we become stronger, and then that situation ultimately helps others. So that's how you could turn the sorrow. Like today, I, I, take, I talk about my gambling addiction that I had years ago, and my gambling addictions help hundreds of people today. Because I can tell them, listen, I know what it is to be an addict. I know what it is to lose everything. I know what it is. I can relate to you. So ultimately, you become a giver from that knowledge that you went through and that pain that you went through. In terms of negative beliefs, how do you stop certain negative beliefs and how do you stop being a victim? 
Right. Well, the pro- again, the your uh, understanding what your role is in the Creator, understanding where you come from, understand your royalty, understanding your DNA, understanding you're the Son of God, your Prince. That again, life is happening for you, and there's a reason why. Again, when pain is used properly, and when you accept pain, it becomes growth. We don't accept pain; it becomes what suffering. And suffering without meaning leads to despair. So that person really has to understand that. And you become a victim because of it. What, what, what does the victim get today? He gets self-pity. A victim really can't give to others because he's too involved in his own story. Not only can he not give to others, but he can't grow. So you're missing serotonin and you're missing dopamine. So think about it. How can you possibly be chemically in a good place to, to live? But a person who's resilient is able to not only to grow, but also help others on the long sort of the way. So even chemically, you're getting serotonin and dopamine. You get dopamine through growth. You get giving. You get you get serotonin to giving. So think about why me. What does why me get you? Why me doesn't get you nothing. You have to go from why me to what's next. The victim does not grow. A victim stays there, and unfortunately, he can fall into a a much deeper, deeper, deeper state of negativity. Okay, so the next question says, how do you truly believe yourself and accomplish your purpose when you feel stuck in life? How do you shine your light when you are not happy with your current situation and do not feel like your environment supports you? Okay, so again, Right away, there's a problem there. Because now you're saying conditions are making my, my problem in my life the way they are. So that you, you unfortunately, that's, a, again, it's a little bit of a victim mindset. Conditions do not change your life. Decisions make your life. So what you, you should do is right now, it appears that you're stuck. So it appears that, again, there's a problem with either perspective or procedure. How you're viewing life or what you're doing. So it's time to, again, to increase knowledge. I have a great video on how to get unstuck. I strongly recommend it. But it's clear that people that are stuck is, is basically they're stuck because their consciousness does not allow them to see past the problem that they're in. You're, too much, you're focusing too much on what you're going through instead of where you want to go. And if you focus on what you're going through instead of where you want to go, you're not going to have the energy to, to go where you want to go. So the number one is you have to take away the emotional the emotional uh, components of it and see things clearly. And how do you do that? By increasing that, by increasing knowledge and, and listening to a lot of classes. And definitely have, I have a great class on how to get unstuck. Okay. The next question is, how do you, how do you deal with anger uh, when you want to just let go? Right. Again, a, a lot of times we get angry is not because somebody took us off, but because we're holding in a lot of pressure. We've accumulated a lot of pressure. The times that I get angry, it's not when I'm having a good day. It's not when I'm having a good class. It's when I'm, I'm accumulating a lot of things in life and not dealing with them. So what happens is that the more I accumulate things in life, the more I hold on to it in my, in my heart. And what happens is somebody just, just says something at the wrong time and it becomes the it just, I just, I'm, I'm the pressure cooker that just explodes on that person. So first, 
the first element really is to release the things you're holding on to. And then you could be mindful and, and recognize, wow, somebody said something to him, or, you, uh, or you're trying to control things. Remember, anger is also rooted in control. If you're trying to control things, the more you try to control things, the more things are gonna go out of your way. So it, it, could, either could, it could be one thing, it's accumulation of pressure that you're holding on to, or the second thing is a, a fear leading you to control, and the control leading you to anger. Because remember, when things don't go your way, you lost control. You're going to get angry. Okay. How do you create a Kaylee for money, for example, for starting a new business? You have to have, number one, you have to have the good intention. I'm starting a new business, Hashem, so I can give more charity. Starting a new business so I can get married, I can provide for my family. See, first you work on the intention. The intention has to be good. The second should be that you should have trust in him. You should trust in your creator. And when you trust in your creator, he will provide for you when you need it. The more you look up, the more he's going to look down at you. Be careful. Be careful to think that the business itself sometimes is the vehicle. The business itself is just the way Hashem blesses you. But sometimes people think, Oh, it's, it's the business. It's the business that's succeeding. No, Hashem uses a business to provide for you. But the business itself is not doing anything. Recognize the business is just a vehicle in, in order for Hashem to shower His blessings upon you. So it teaches you that you can be very flexible. You can be a very open-minded. Don't get stuck on, oh my God, I have to make money in this business. If it's not in this business, it's not going to work on Move that. Move the means. Just the same thing. It's not the medicine that's healing you. Hashem puts the energy and the power in the medicine, but it's really the faith that's healing you, not the actual medicine itself. It's the faith. It's what happens to your brain when you take that medicine. You have a new belief system. Oh my God, I'm getting healed. And all of a sudden, that creates the chemistry so you get healed. It's really the faith or the trust that causes and Mr. Shem, uh, Rabbi Nachman spoke to us a lot and not making the means, not focusing on the means, but focusing on the, on the bigger picture that Hashem using these things to communicate with you or to, or to deal with you. Okay, this is a question from the next viewer. I am very spiritual, connected, Baruch Hashem. I follow your classes and Rabbi Nachman. I see so much direct answers always, except on the spirituality of my children. How should I daven to merit good children? My children should go in the ways of Torah and mitzvot and not be religious robotic, uh, robotics to grow and love right. Torah and mitzvot for the right reasons. Right. So sometimes you teach, teach them emuna, teach them faith. You know, Rabbi Rush said something beautiful. He says you can give a kid an iPhone and he's going to, that's it, he's gone, he's gone from the Torah. But if you give him faith, you'll never lose him. Teach them faith. Very important. Remember, religion alone will not change your life, but faith will. It's very important that a person has to have faith. Faith first. Faith in Simcha is so important. So important to teach them. Because you know, you tell these kids, you realize, how could they run off the barracks? Because they were never taught faith. They were never taught the relationship with the Creator. They were just taught, again, only religion. And it became cold and robotic. 
and they lack life force. But I would recommend teaching them faith. Or what's going to happen sometimes, like I say, in life, Hashem will, Hashem will give them lessons on their own, and they'll come to faith themselves. You know, I, I was never taught faith. It just happened. Like, I ended up getting it on the way. I think usually somehow or another, people end up getting it on the way. So, good. Yeah, Go which ahead. book? Which book from Rabbi Nachman could one of these viewers uh, purchase that really um, explains the core concepts for beginners? There's a great call, book called Crossing the Narrow Bridge. There's another book called um, Wisdom Advice. But I would I would go with Crossing the Narrow Bridge or Wisdom. Or, or advice, but what are probably those two? Crossing the Arab Bridge of Wisdom. It's really for beginners, and it's short, but it's it's sweet. It covers a lot of concepts without very deep analysis. Okay. How much? There is there's a ton of questions. Go ahead. I have time. I have time. I'm just saying. I, I, how much? How much Hakarat of Tov? Are you supposed to have towards someone who helped an indi individual financially in high school uh, currently? And how does one show it? Does it make sense that there is no deep feeling? That's not how the question. There's no what? Deep feeling. What you could do is you can give. You know, it's a good thing to maybe just tell him, listen, I appreciate what you did for me. I'm giving charity in your honor. It's a great way to show how they're to go. It's a great way to show people that you appreciate them. Giving, giving charity on the name, sponsoring on the name, is probably one of the best ways I've seen. Gadal, you're starting to sound muffled for some reason. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a little bit of wind. Okay, but it's good. Okay. How would you recommend studying Likudei Moran? Is there a translation or a surfer that one could use? Well, there's actually a shortened version called Kitsur Likute Maharan, the shortened version of it. You can buy it on breastlove.org. So I wouldn't rec if you're not ready for the big one, there's actually, Rav Nachman actually created, he told Rav Nachman to create a smaller one, which is called Kitsur. Kitsur means condensed. Condensed Likute Maharan. I would start with that one. You can buy it on Amazon, you can buy it on breastlove.org. How can one muster these desires in an environment that they're surrounded with by fear and control? Uh, like staying sane in New York right now with the lockdown and religious restrictions. You have to look at this time really to cry out from a broken heart. And believe me, I have a broken heart with New York. I, I, I can't tell you. I was there the other day, you know, just for a day to go to Uman and... It, 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 you have a broken heart. There's no question. And what you need to do is you have to ask your creator what he wants from you. What does he want from you in this position? What does he want from you? You know, I, I also, Israel's also lost on But you have to also recognize that when sometimes things happen like that, there are people that are in much, much, much more difficult position than you are. And that's the one thing I looked when I saw Israel being shut down. I said, oh my God, you know, I have five kids. Thank God, I have Parnassah. Thank God, I make I make money, Baruch Hashem. But there's families that don't have food to eat. 
So it forced me to say, you know, what can I do to help? Where can I help? So when I get in these situations, I view it as a sign for me to, to stop thinking about myself and go give others. And usually when I go give others, somehow, I don't even think about my problems anymore. So usually I would recommend if you see what's going on, instead of thinking, you know, looking at talking about the idiot, the Blasio and Kumo, which Hashem should remove them from office immediately. Amen. That find out who's in need. Find out who's in need. Find out who needs money. Find out who start something. Start something where you can rise above and say, you know what, if it wasn't for this situation, I would never start this organization. What these things teach us in life is to get outside of ourselves. That's what I've seen. What I've seen that's helped the most is usually that. Get out of yourself. Get out of your own self-absorption and be busy with mitzvot. Be busy with other things. And when you do that, somehow Hashem makes things work out for you. He gives you a sense of calmness. He gives you tranquility. He doesn't make you panic like the rest of the world. Okay. This is the next viewer. The viewer is saying, I am stuck. No wife, the girl I wanted to be with seems to need something else than what I can offer. I tried to change my mindset, but I can't get a job. I thank the Lord for both situations and keep my time praying and studying Kabbalah, Zohar, Rabbi, Rabbi Shalom Arush's books, doing it both the dude. I feel really good about that, but I can't determine what's next. The girl I like I'm, uh, is almost going away. I feel I am at 200 degree with her. I have desire, but it seems not to happen. How can I act? Right. What I, what I recommend, that seems to be a little bit of a loaded question. Maybe you can email me. Maybe we need to get into a little bit. Sometimes these, these little details are off here. Yeah, we need to think about it a little bit more privately. Um, you can take his email. Maybe we can, we can speak to him about that. No problem. And? But there's usually something there that seems to be off. Okay. What is your morning schedule like? How do you fit in Hidbodidut, prayer, and do mikveh, and learn, and exercise, and get to work at a reasonable time? Good question. I, I think God, God has given me a superhuman strength. Um, I mean, it, the, the thing is getting up really early is the key for me. You know, getting up at 4 o'clock, you know, 4 o'clock, by, by 9 o'clock, I'm already done with everything. So, you know, these five hours learning this, what do, teaching the class, everything, and I go to work at 10. You know, I almost my business. But it's all done. It's all really getting up early. If I don't get up early, the whole schedule's off. It's really the only way it happens is getting up early. You get up early, you can master the day. If I don't get up early, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's all about how, it's all about really getting up early and tapping into this clarity and, and, and light at this hour. That's really the strength. If I didn't get up early, it wouldn't be possible. Okay, so the next question. How do you hold on to the light when you're coming positively into life and connecting to God and all of a sudden your ex starts trying to bully you and manipulating you and uh, through your kids and money? How do you hold on to the light that you had before? Well, you have to recognize, like we said in the class, nothing good comes easy. 
There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of noise in life. And believe me, I have many people in my life that try to drain my energy, but they can only drain my energy if I allow them to. So again, you have to, you have to try, try focusing on giving your mercy, your ex a lot of mercy. You're harboring hate. You're, you're becoming a little bit of a victim. She's bullying you. How could somebody bully you? It's not possible for somebody to bully you. You let them get to you. And you have to ask yourself, why are you getting let? Why are you letting them get to you? I mean, this is what people do when they want to control you. They want to get to you. Don't get, don't let them get to you. Don't let them, you know, don't let them get to you. So try, again, try to kill people with kindness. That's the best way I would recommend. You want to, you want to fight evil? You want to fight negative people? is a nice word for it. Kill them with kindness. They won't even know what to do. A lot of people love this drama. They get oxygen from this drama. They get oxygen from the ups and downs and the, and the emotional turmoil. Why, why are you getting yourself in that path? Your job is to kill them with kindness and don't let them get to you. I know it's easier said than done, but you got to do something different. That's my recommendation for you. Okay, jumping back to dreams. So, could one be tested in their dreams? I've never heard of being tested in a dream. No, I, this I've never heard of. I've never heard. How could you be testing your dream? You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not conscious. The main point of a bad dream is to wake you up and to get you to change. That's why people say the remedy for for a dream is to fast. Why fasting specifically? Because when you fast, you can go into the old the days of the past and rectify them. So that's why people say when you when you have a bad dream, they say to fast, not to celebrate. Because you need a tikkun, you need to rectify something. It wakens a dream wakens you up. A good a good remedy for that would be saying Shabbat night. It also helps you because remember the night itself is an act of the judgment. So the night itself is an act of the when you say Shabbat night. There's specific prayers in that that can help you um, with certain combinations of these forces that you contain. Okay, I have, a, I, have, I have a few questions. What should our focus be during Hoshana Rabbah when we're up and we're doing the Tikkun of Hoshana Rabbah? Don't be comfortable. Don't be comfortable. Even if you think you had a good Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, you still have to rely, pretend like you're on 211 degrees and you need to scream out one more time to get to 212. That's my, that's my Hoshana Rabbah mindset. So what's the concept of Hoshana, or, uh, Hoshana Rabbah? I'm sure Pray, a, lot of, a lot of Hoshana Rabbah. Hashem, save me. Save me. You're, asking, you're pleading for save, Hashem to save you. We, we read Parshas Devarim at night. We stay up at night. We're basically making that last call. It's that double stamp. We're trying to make that last effort to get to be saved from the from Gasabidin's an unfortunate sentence. So the whole concept of Hoshana Rabbah is basically Imagine imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine if they told you, listen, before coronavirus comes out, it's decreed. But you have one day. Imagine if Hashem told us all, you have one day to knock it out. Imagine last year he told us, you have one day on Shana Rabbah. It's decreed, but let me see. I'm going to give you guys one day to scream out your heart, to stay up all night and do whatever you can. And if, it's, and if I approve it, there's no coronavirus this year. What in the world 
would you do today for that? What in the world would the world do today? Would you, would you have to wake them up? They'd be like, I'm up all night. I'll do whatever I have to do. Just think of what you went through this year. And Hashem told you there was a decree, there was a plague, and it could have been gone on one day. Imagine what, what, what could that mean to you? You would, you would, you would do whatever, you, you would be like this all day long, begging God for what we went through this year. That's what Hashem and Rabbi did out. The last call. Before the gates are closed. Okay. So the next question is, uh, what do you do? By the way, that's the Kavada. That's the Kavada that I'm going to have in order to get myself a desire to wake up. Nice. Good answer. So the next question is uh, from a viewer who wants to know, what do you eat on Shabbat if you don't eat meat? Fish. Fish. Fish, vegetables, the rest of the stuff. Most messy fish. So, since we're on the topic of, uh, we were talking about the Chagim that are coming up. So, what's the focus and energy that we should focus on during Simchat Torah? You know, you're dancing with the Sefer Torah and, and it, right. there's dancing, this, a renewal, correct. right? Right. That and mostly, mostly being grateful that you have the Torah. Dancing and celebrating. When you're dancing with the Torah, Rabbi Nachman says there's a lot of spiritual benefits of reducing judgment. When you dance with, when you dance and you're happy, what Nachman refers it to, a person can mitigate judgment. He can sweeten judgment because it shows you're happy. You're happy with the Torah. You're, you're, you're using the Torah as a life force. You're dependent upon the Torah. So there's a great spiritual rectification of, of using the sweat. Like they just say, when you use the same sweat, that you use for spirituality by dancing with the Torah, it rectifies the same sweat that you use when you're partying in, in the club. Also, it rectifies the wrong type of dancing. Okay, and another uh, request, it's the last thing. Uh, one of the viewers asking for you to do another lecture on Tomer Devora again. Absolutely, absolutely. I would love to. We'll set that up again. Okay. It's probably the one of. Probably the number one game changer book. That book told me the war. The book is nothing but miracles. Miracles, every time I read it, just opens up my eyes. I just, I literally, I walk around just seeing mercy in people. It, it trains you to see the whole world with mercy. It, 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 it's a different mindset. It's just, you're living in a different world. Absolutely. Okay, Gedalia. Thank you so much. Bless everybody. We should have an amazing holiday, an amazing year. And the sorrows go away and only happiness. Amen.